Tim and Brock. What a wonderful day to be in church. Amen. Uh, I look forward every week to uh, you guys coming and being a part of worship and being able to worship the Lord. I have told people for years, uh, I've been in ministry now for 15 years and spent a lot of time in a church building, but it really doesn't come alive or become the church until Sunday morning. Uh, when you guys are here and we can worship the Lord together. and There's a dynamic in that that uh, you can't uh, feel throughout the week, uh, especially with the bunch that I work with. It's, uh, so, boom, boom, boom. I don't have any drums over here. I do my own. But uh, I want to ask you to do something, if you would. Pray for uh, Ronnie and Lynn as they are gone. Uh, I just pray that God will give them rest and strengthen them as they're away. Uh, replenish them spiritually uh, so that when Ronnie comes back, he'll be fired up and full of the Spirit and ready to pour out God's Word on us. Also remember Mark and Sheila today. Mark's away preaching. Uh, And uh, just remember him. I pray that the Lord will use him uh, mightily today uh, as uh, as he is preaching at, I think, Marathon Church in Powdersville. And so I'm excited about that as the Lord is using him. Uh, People have asked me several times since I've been here, uh, Scott, how are you liking it? How are you fitting in? How are things going? And I want you to know I love it. Uh, things are going incredibly well. I'm excited about being here. Uh, I'm learning names and learning faces. Uh, and that's going to be an ongoing process for quite a while. Uh, but we love it here. And I tell you, throughout uh, my time as a believer in Christ, uh, The thing that I love about the church and the thing I love about Golden Corner Church is the relationships that we have, that we establish in one another. As I look back over the 25 years that I've been saved, I remember faces and names of people over those years, and when I see them, even though I may have not worshipped with them in quite a while, uh, we have that connection with one another. I may see them in Walmart or about uh, and around places, And we have that simple connection because we have a relationship. We worship together. We serve together. We cry together. We laugh together. We experience ups and downs and all the things that go along with life together. And when you do that, those relationships become a major, powerful tool that God can use to help grow you. So today I want to talk to you about the power of relationships. I'm going to be looking in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And to our life group leaders, I know Ronnie's taken a few weeks off with his blog, and that's Ronnie's blog, if you're not familiar with that, uh, taking a few weeks off with his blog and his questions. Uh, but if you want something to talk about, take some notes today from this message, and, and you can certainly talk about this in your life group meetings uh, this evening. Uh, it's a powerful message or a powerful word that we have here in Scripture Uh, There's a lot to be learned from the first church, the first century church. Uh, There's all kind of lessons that you can learn from them. We call them the model church. Uh, They were a perfect church, at least for a short period of time. And one of the things you'll notice as you're reading through those scriptures is there is oneness, there is harmony, there is unity within that church. And that's one of the things I think that made this church so special. And so we have to ask the question, what is it about this church that made it such a unified body? What is it about this church that put them on common ground? Well, I think the thing that we see here is that they established their relationships in the right priority. So you can get your priorities out of order. 
Uh, we can be a selfish people. We can want what we want, that type of thing. And so they put their relationships or they establish their relationships on the right priorities. And that's what I want to share with you today. The priorities of our relationships within the confines of the body of Christ. Now we have all kinds of relationships. You have family, you have marriage, you have all these different things. But the relationships within the church, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord, it's unique, probably separate from any other relationship that we have. It can be a blessing to us. But at the same time, as many of you are aware, it can also be a burden. It all depends on how we conduct ourselves and how we handle ourselves and what we prioritize in our life. And so I want to mention just a few priorities in which the first century church established their relationships on and which we can establish our relationships in as well. First of all, there was a deep devotion to spiritual growth. They had a deep devotion to spiritual growth. If you look with me in verse 42 of chapter 2 of Acts, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, they devoted themselves to the teachings of God's Word. Now, when the apostles stood and taught, they were teaching with the inspiration of God on their life. And so they were literally teaching and sharing God's Word. The same Word that we read, we study, and we preach here today. It says not only were they devoted to the apostles' teaching, but they were also devoted to and to fellowship. Now, the word fellowship here means sharing. And it could refer to sharing of material things, which they did, but it's deeper than that. It's talking about sharing in every aspect and at every level of our life. It's experiencing life together. You've heard that term, I know. It's sharing the burdens, and it's sharing the joys, and it's sharing all that life throws at us. It's walking through life together and experiencing that together. So not only did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, but also to sharing in meals. Now, we're pretty good at that, uh, sharing in the meals. I've been to several of our life groups so far, and every one of them did a really good job of sharing in meals. Still got a few more to go. Uh, But they did a really good job of that. In the NLT, it also includes there, including the Lord's Supper. Now, primarily, this is speaking of the Lord's Supper. uh, But oftentimes, they took the Lord's Supper around a common meal. And they would do this kind of like a blessing. They did the Lord's Supper, and then they took of a common meal of fellowship. And they would eat and celebrate the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross. So the Lord's Supper became a priority for them. And then it says, and to prayer. Now, I found this quote from John MacArthur, and I love what he says here. I couldn't word it this way, but he says, Prayer is the nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence, meaning the power of God. When we pray, we set in motion a force that cannot be contained. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and tell you one of the weakest areas in any church is our prayer life. And for most of us as individuals, one of the weakest areas in our life is our prayer life. And we wonder why our churches lack power. We wonder why our lives lack power. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. Now, if you look at the first century church here, they were devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to worship. And they were devoted to prayer. That's all there was. And that's all they needed. These became a priority in their pursuit of spiritual growth. Now, throughout the years, again, I have developed meaningful relationships with a lot of people through church. Uh, Some of you here at Golden Corner Church, I've been in church with you now for 25 years. 
off and on. I, we went different ways, but now we're back together, and, and we've worshipped for all those years. And I've developed a lot of great relationships over those years. But the ones that I remember the most, and the ones that probably have impacted me the most, is those people who challenged me, who encouraged me, who inspired me to grow spiritually. Now, we need to be challenged in our pursuit of spiritual growth. We need to be challenged in that area of our life that we may grow and understand who we are in the Lord and what we need to do in pursuit of that spiritual journey. When everything else in our life that we need to take into consideration threatens to take priority in our life, we need to understand the greatest task in any of our relationships here within the body of Christ, is that we grow deeper and stronger in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way the writer of Hebrews puts this in Hebrews 10, 24, and I probably don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, in the NIV, it words it this way, And let us consider, let us consider how we may pray, or how we may spur, I'm sorry, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How we may spur one another on. Part of your job as a believer in Christ and as a member of the body of Christ as in these relationships is you are to spur one another on. We are to take into consideration how do we motivate? How do we spur others on to works and good deeds in their spiritual journey? Now, we need people in our lives to encourage us to spiritual growth. We need people in our lives to inspire us to faithfulness. We need people in our lives that will help encourage us in the primary task of growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this becomes a major priority for us in our relationships. That our duty is to help others and each other grow in our relationship with Christ. That's what they establish their relationships in, or one of the things they establish their relationships in as they continue to do the work of the Lord. Now the second priority is this. There needs to be a sense of dependence on God's power. There needs to be a sense of dependence on God's power. Verse 43. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all. Now, this speaks directly to the heart of the church. It's talking about an attitude of reverence and respect for God. Now, as the first century believers were worshiping and serving and fellowshipping together and praying the community around them took notice. And their reverence and their awe for the Lord Jesus Christ made everyone aware of the fact that they were sinners in the sinful activities in their life. That they weren't condemning them, they weren't judging them. Simply by living out their devoted life to Jesus, there was this sense of respect and awe within the church. The church had influence Their devotion created an environment of holiness that made others aware that there was a mighty God. And he goes on to say, And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now the apostles performed miracles. They did so to authenticate their message. They had a message of a risen Savior. And so they were given these supernatural gifts at this particular time in order to authenticate the message that they had of a risen Savior. It gave them authority in their message as they proclaimed not only to the first century church but to the world. Uh, Jesus told them to go to all the world and make disciples. So their message 
was confirmed by the miracles and acts in which they performed. Now, the first century church didn't have the advantages that we do today, and, and probably they were better off for it. Uh, they couldn't sign up and pay money and go to a church conference somewhere like we did the other week. Uh, they didn't have books they could go and buy off the shelves at Lifeway to learn how to grow a church. Uh, there wasn't any other church they could go to and kind of model themselves after and borrow that model and bring that model back to their church and try to implement that within the fellowship of their own church. They didn't have any of that. They were the original. <laughs> they were the first. And so everything that they did, they did based on what they learned from Christ and what the Holy Spirit of God directed them to do. You know what? I think sometimes today we would be much better off if we simply did that. Amen? If we'd follow the will of God, if we'd follow the Holy Spirit. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't have a problem with going to a conference. I think there's a place in church for marketing strategies. They're fine. I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place in church for strategies of vision and all these different things that we need to understand about how we're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. I think there's a place for that within the church. What I'm saying today is there is no substitute for the power of God. There is no substitute for the power of God. What we saw last week was a demonstration of, Of the power of God. Listen, I don't care how well we do things. And I don't care how beautiful our buildings are. It takes the power of God to transform a life. It takes the power of God to touch a soul. It takes the power of God to reach a person. What we saw last week was a demonstration of the power of God. If we want to continue to see that, then we've got to live within our relationships in a dependence on the power of God. We can never get to a place where we begin to think that we have all the answers, we know all the rules and all the strategies and all these different things, and we have it under control. Because when we do, God's going to show us we don't. We've got to live in dependence on the power of God. The worst thing that we can do is get in His way. So my prayer is is that we as a staff, you guys, we live our life getting out of God's way and letting God have his way. And we'll simply follow him and whatever God is doing, we're going to stay right with him and walk in dependence on the power of God. In those relationships that we have within church, it's easy to get in our own little attitude about what we want and where we're going And we get together with other people and we begin to share those things with them. And and the next thing you know, our heart begins to harden because we feel like we are not really getting what we deserve. But when we walk in dependence on the power of God, then it's not about us, it's about Him. And and it's all about us being under His authority and walking in that power. Really where we need to be is in a situation where the first century church was. And that is, they were in a place... To where if God didn't come through, it wasn't going to happen. If God didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. If God didn't move in their midst, it wasn't going to happen. If God didn't reach people, it wasn't going to happen. And guys, that's where we've got to be. It's a desperate dependence upon God and what God can do. And not what we can do or what we can accomplish. And so we don't need to get in the way or let our attitudes get in the way of what God is doing. It's got to be a priority. that We're going to walk and live in dependence upon the power of God. Now, the third priority is this, a compelling duty to love one another, a compelling duty to love one another. Look with me at verse 44. Now, this is some amazing stuff here as we read 
how the first century church treated one another. In 40, verse 44 it says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now their fellowship, their oneness, their sharing was a result of their love. They gave what they had to those in need. It goes on to say in verse 45, They sold their property and possessions, possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now this is a true picture of sacrificial giving. Done with, done with not a sense of obligation, but out of a desire to love like Jesus loved, to give like Jesus gave. They wanted to represent Christ in their relationships. In verse 46, it says, They worshipped together at the temple each day. They came together every day and worshipped. Now, you can imagine how difficult it is sometimes to get along with people that you only see once a week. Can you imagine worshipping together every day? I even thought about this, and, and you know, I don't know how often they took showers and baths back in those days, but uh, it took effort uh, to be able to love, to worship every day, to give of themselves sacrificially with an attitude of gratitude. It says they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Again, a reference there to the Lord's Supper and honoring and worshiping. And it said they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, the body of Christ was truly the body of Christ. There was no division, no complaints, just unity, love, and generosity. Now, let me take you on a little journey, imaginary journey, if you will. Imagine that you are a part of a church where there are no disagreements, there are no disgruntled people, a church where everybody loves everybody, a church where there is no jealousy or envy, Imagine that you're a part of a church like that. Well, that is the picture of the first century church. There was no disagreements. There was no complaining. There was no disunity within that church. They were all together in one accord. They gave of themselves, gave of what they had for the benefit of others. They were always looking out for others, always concerned about others. Now, that would be an easy church to live in. The problem is, is this. That's an imaginary church. That church doesn't exist in our day and time. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means that we must put forth an effort to love people. In other words, we've got to choose to love people. We've got to make a conscious effort and decision to love people. To love them as Jesus loves them. To love them and give of ourselves as Jesus gave of himself. It takes a conscious effort in order to love other people. This was a priority for the first century church that they were going to make an effort. It was a compelling effort for them to love. I want you to think about some ways that you can express love to those within your life group. I want you to think about some ways that you can express love to those that you worship with, those that are in this church. Now, we have two services. There's hundreds of people that come every week, and, and it's hard to get to know everybody, and I understand that. But God's going to connect you with a handful of people that you can be loved and you can love, that you can express love to, but it takes a conscious effort on our part in order to make that to happen. It's not going to happen naturally, not all the time, and so we've got to be always on guard that our attitude is always about loving other people and giving of ourselves. Look for those opportunities to give of yourself and love other people. When we build our relationships within a church on that priority that we're going to always be compelled to love others, 
then it changes everything about us. When somebody says something that hurts your feeling, I'm going to choose to love them. When something doesn't happen exactly the way you think it should, I'm going to choose to love anyway. When things don't go your way, I'm going to choose to love anyway. See, it takes effort to love. But then there's a fourth priority, and that is a commitment to the mission of the church. A commitment to the mission of the church. Verse 47, it says, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Now, they were an attractive church, but they were not an attractional church. You've heard Ronnie talk about that before. People found favor with them because their activities were real, not because they were trying to just promote something in order to get people to come. They didn't use marketing campaigns and all these things that we have today. It goes on to say, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Now, that's an exciting church. True evangelism happens when the true, when the true church reflects Christ. That's an exciting church. Every day people were being saved. As they went out into the villages and around and about, people were being saved. People were responding to the drawing and the power of God. People were responding to the message and the truth that was being preached. People were responding to the love that was being shared, the generosity that was going on within that church. People saw something very attractive about those people. They saw something in them they didn't have within themselves. And they knew they needed and they wanted to know what it was. And so when they went, they found out the difference was all about Jesus Christ. And so they received Jesus Christ. It says people were added to their number every single day. That means every day was a day of celebration. Every day was baptism Sunday. Every day was a great day in the Lord. Every day was exciting for them. Why? Because their relationships were established on the right kind of priorities. Years ago, I heard a pastor say this. He said when he got into ministry, he asked an older pastor, what is it that I really need to focus on? He said, one thing you need to learn how to do really well is put Band-Aids on problems. He understand what he understood what he meant by that, and so as he began to pastor his first church, after a few years, he began to understand because every day he was faced with a problem here, a problem there, somebody's issue there, somebody's issue there. And so he spent most of his time putting out fires and putting band-aids on problems. The reason is, guys, we don't clearly understand what the purpose of the church really is all about. And when we don't understand what the purpose of the church is really all about, we come up with our own conclusions to what it is. What is the purpose of the church? Well, we don't have to guess. The Bible tells us. It's the thing we call the Great Commission. If you want to simplify it, we can simplify it in two words. Make disciples. We put it this way here at Golden Corner to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. To help people find and follow Jesus Christ. Now, people have their own agendas. And sometimes those agendas are contrary to what the true purpose of the church is. Nothing wrong with what that agenda may be. And maybe what they're doing is glorifying to God and a part of what God is doing. But the problem is when we have a group of people that all have a different agenda, that all have a different view, a different perspective about what the mission of the church is all about, uh, then we're weakened because we're torn apart. 
But when we establish our relationships on a common mission, and that is the Great Commission in order to fulfill God's command for us as the body of Christ, and we all come together in that, and there's a unity and a oneness that happens within that spirit. That no matter what else is on the table, that becomes the priority. You understand? Now again, relationships can be a blessing. Hey, and they can be a curse. Over the years, I've watched people come and go. And every time they go, it hurts. When they come, it's exciting. And for years in churches, we've swapped members here and we've swapped members there. And You know, sometimes God may be moving someone. I don't, I don't discount that. I understand that part of it. And, and sometimes the connection or the uh, chemistry there is just not right. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. But a lot of it, what I have found over the years is that people get their feelings hurt for one reason or another simply because they have a different purpose in mind for what they want to see in the church. So we can all come to an agreement today on what the real mission of the church is and we establish ourselves in that mission and commit ourselves to it. Hey, we can have our own, our own preferences. We can have our own ideas. We can have our own interest. But when it all comes back to it, the main thing and the main priority for us is that we want to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. And when we come together in that attitude, in that spirit, guess what? Great things can happen. Incredible things can happen when we operate in those priorities. And these relationships that we have within the church, we already have an established priority or purpose. We've got to learn to operate within that. So the question is for you today is this. What are your priorities? What are you establishing these relationships in? Who is it in this church that you have found that inspires you? They become the wind in your sails, so to speak. Who is it that you're encouraging? Who is it that you are helping to move further down the road? Who is it that you've come along the side and you're helping walk in this journey to grow spiritually, to find strength in everyday life? What are the priorities which you have established in these relationships? Guys, church can be complicated. Relationships can be complicated. They can be hurtful. They can be painful. But they can also be a joy and a blessing. They can be the greatest value to us in our lives if we will establish them on the right priorities. Those priorities are established within our own heart. What are we going to establish these relationships in? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have established a relationship with us. And Father, when I think about the body of Christ, the church, I think about all the different personalities and all the different people and different ideas and different thoughts about this and about that. God, I pray that today that we will establish our relationships on those things that are eternal. The same priorities in which the first century church established their relationships. Father, I pray that we'll put away our selfishness, self-centeredness. God, we'll give of ourselves. That we'll give of ourselves for the sake of others.
that we would devote ourselves to the right things for the right reasons. God, bring us together as one, an immovable object that cannot be destroyed because we're walking in your power. And we become a living representative on display for what you want to do here in this place which you have put us at this time. God, we give you all the glory. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.